the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem. I'm Emily, and I'm sitting in front of my husband, Jim Anger, who is the... The right reverend. Right reverend pastor of Liberty Church (laughs) Collingswood. I'm here to interrogate you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> On this lovely day. Usually starting with the sermon, but at, we're not usually, but I'm <laughs> I'm lo- losing words again, as usual. I was going to say, so I've, I've been starting the podcast this season. Oh, that's right. I forgot again. A random question. <laughs> you haven't been Hit writing me. blogs for a while, so I decided to go with the... Uh, I've been, I feel like I've been pretty regular, but go on. The, the post of the last post, the last blog post was from... Two weeks ago. Right. And yeah. so it's not fresh ah, is what yeah. I'm saying. Okay. So the five golden, we're, I thought I'd another one this week. interrogate you with a five golden things question okay. that popped up to me yeah. as I was listening on um, 1.25 speed. Yes. You you guys sounded like normal on 1.25 speed. So I was... Which one were you listening to? Just you and Pat. Okay. That's the most recently posted right 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 seasons it's it's also a little dated but still you know pertinent in some ways um so my follow-up question there you asked um you asked patrick (laughs) Uh uh-huh um oh no she has notes (laughs) this really is a new season like ask exactly okay uh you asked him what his best um valentine's day in high school was so i Uh want to ask you the same question oh great question best valentine's day Best Valentine's Jim Anger, Day. High school Jim Anger. The... He's thinking of his audience here. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day. Do you hear the crack in tenth, his voice? 10th tenth, tenth grade. <laughs> I was... I, I probably shouldn't use full names here. Yeah, probably not. Why don't you get your uh, anonymous right. name? <laughs> so I was... The... Valentine's... I, I happened to be interested in a girl named Alyssa uh-huh. during sophomore year, and it was that winter. I had met her, and this is going to sound really sexy. I, I had met her on the high school debate circuit. Oh, that and, and, and so she and I, I, Em, you'll be shocked to hear this. I was more interested than she was. Mm-hmm. And the story of your life. It happened to be around Valentine's Day. It was my first and only date with her. We went and saw a movie that I would not otherwise have seen, which is always a good idea when you want to go on a date with somebody. Benny and June, you probably have have no recollection of it. So, so we went to O Henry's, which was a chain restaurant, like fast casual burgers with peanuts that you could like, crush crush on the floor oh, ones. The, 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 there were a couple like that and went to o henry's then saw benny and june she was very much not into the date i asked her as we were walking out <laughs> and this was this was early consent culture i i said can i hold your hand and she said no <laughs> And, and, and then when I, when when I dropped her off at home, 
she she lived on Broadway in uptown New Orleans. I said, hey, well, do you want to hang out a little bit more? And she said, no. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, and then left. I, I had some Russell Stover chocolates that I ended up not giving to her yeah, because it just yeah. didn't. And that's yeah. why it was the best ever because you got to keep the chocolates. <laughs> more for me. And I, I, I may have listened or I, I may have said on a different podcast Driving towards that date, I needed psych-up music, so I played Thunder Road over and over again. Bruce Springsteen, first track off Born to Run. But the great thing about Thunder Road, which is probably my favorite song of all time, is that I also played it all the way home. So That's that's a tearjerker. The romantic. (laughs) Okay, that's some good advice there for you. So, so Alyssa, you... uh, Alyssa, I know you're listening. And I I refuse to give you my home number, but you can email them to postsomethingblues.gmail.com if, if you want to tell your side of the story. Okay. Um, Good question, though. Yeah. Hmm. Well, beyond, I'm going to keep you on your toes. I feel like I got you on that one because that was a pretty long thinking pause. <laughs> 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 yeah i know you'd like to keep these i i, I like being or... put on the spot i enjoy it okay not everybody does Holland but Wolf, come at me send me your private texts with questions that i can throw jim off with i'm i'm all ears <laughs> that sounds a little bit creepy send me, send me your <laughs> private texts okay that's fine i'll go um, with it okay let's jump into what are the real task at hand mm-hmm. Diving into your sermon this past Sunday, what's been going on? What's What was the message and heart behind this particular sermon? Surface level, then going deeper. Mm-hmm. I remarked to a couple people on Sunday that this could be the best Philadelphia sports oh my God. weekend Notice ever. Notice I didn't start with a question about so, that. So we're, we're recording on Tuesday morning. The Phillies play the first game of their next round of the playoffs this afternoon, the Phillies have gotten the worst time slots, so they're playing two afternoon playoff is. games. And it could all go downhill from here. But Sixers starting their season, Eagles undefeated, Phillies in the next round of the playoffs. We also should say that the Germans have landed. We have two high school mm-hmm. German boys on the Collingswood High School Exchange Program right now. Ready to see the Phillies collapse. Ready to see that, yes. And one of them is actually a Golden State Warriors fan yeah that, uh, so sure haven't kicked him out yet why not okay calling it stormy monday uh, what i've been feeling in general terms m is that fall is always a higher stress and it's not unique to pastors but fall is always a higher stress time where that's when the ministry year kicks into full gear you've been planning for it all summer you're launching a lot of different things higher stress in the sense too that if you have some small Sundays either attendance or giving during the summer you don't really stress out about it because hey it's the summer people are gone but you keep your eye on things a lot more closely during the during the school year mm-hmm. although numbers have been really good at Liberty Collingswood this fall uh, relative to where we've been and then also life just has a lot of crazy pieces in it and mm-hmm. so I tell younger preachers don't and this is perhaps idiot not not every preacher goes in this direction but i encourage younger preachers not to leave themselves out of the sermon writing process and mm-hmm. let it in i think sermons can feel more personal that right, way right, and right. less less antiseptic right. so i've just been feeling that because i need you're to a relax and not a priest there we go <laughs> yes uh, i need to relax and have been focusing on trying to live in quiet faithfulness hmm. and so 
perhaps not a coincidence that what jumped out at me from this text was we need a priest because I feel like I need one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the general orientation there, baby. I get it. I see. I see how that would be applicable um, to yourself, and I think it is appropriate for all of us. All of us. I think that the hitting upon that need for a priest is an interesting. Um, way of addressing a common issue that I just haven't thought about, wrap my head around yeah. for a while. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in Muddy in the Waters. <laughs> I don't understand your categories. <laughs> you just say that. You're the only one <laughs> that doesn't, but that's fine. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Um, should we move on to Sun Studios then, or did you have something else? Sun Studios, present to the Lord. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Well, tell us about how this particular passage. Um, addresses that concept of of needing a priest yeah so we will get back in this week genesis chapter 15 where god unfolds more of his covenant promises to abraham to still abram at this stage and that's sort of the main line the main track for the abraham story in genesis 13 and 14 we have kind of these side it's it's sort of like actually a lot more with episodic TV on networks when you have to do 22 episode 22 episode seasons and some episodes seem to really move the plot forward but then others are focused on side characters or side quests that that don't contribute to the main storyline that that much and they can feel a little bit like like filler or not not super important now mm-hmm. All scripture is God-breathed. There is no unimportant part of the Bible, but less central to the overall thrust of the Abram cycle are Genesis 13 and 14, okay. which take us off the beaten path of the more well-known Abram stories. And one of the less known stories in the Abraham cycle is his interaction with the kings of Salem and Sodom, and the former's name is Melchizedek. So you have this weird encounter, the after party of Abram's won the battle, he's rescued Lot, and then he bumps into these two kings, and it's a little bit of a triangulation where first Abram interacts with Melchizedek, then the king of Sodom refuses to take too much stuff. So very little details in this passage, and I was a little more stuck than usual trying to figure out what direction to, to take it, but... Every commentary I read noted that Melchizedek is the first mention mm-hmm. of priest in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I just decided to roll in that direction. Just stay with the moment. Yeah, to, yeah, to maybe, think, hey, I need a priest. It is kind of one, like, following those little little side paths, I think, is always interesting, especially, I guess, for people who haven't been, or who have been surrounded by Christian faith for a while, and so you know the familiar stories. So have to, having to wrap your head around um these other relationships that exist and trying to understand them more i think that's a good that's a good call yeah which is part of the point of doing this genesis sermon series like we are i think Mm -hmm. eric mitchell mentioned a couple weeks ago that for the passage from genesis that he preached on Mm -hmm. he went to a couple websites that post a ton of different sermons Mm -hmm. and you can search Passage by passage, right. chapter by chapter. People, and, no one's hitting those. Yeah, and right. literally in the couple of sermon clearinghouse websites that he looked at, there were no exa- very, yeah, very few yeah, yeah, example yeah. sermons yeah. ever, huh. or at least in the history of the internet. And that's on. what you gave to Eric. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 
I'd say I don't make the rules around here, but that wouldn't entirely be true. Right. But that's so, awesome. That's, I think it's good as a challenge for yourself, but also for us, like all scripture is profitable and um, addressing yep. that is good. I'm interested, again, for people out there, uh, Liberty Collingswood, who have been there for a while, if you mm-hmm. kind of have noticed a difference between oh, this kind question. of more... Um, what is it? Verse by verse. It's not. The, as, you are still skipping things, Lectio right? Lectio continua. Uh, no, we are not skipping. Oh, I haven't even noticed. So, I am not being the closest follower. Th- thus far, I think this is correct. Every In English, in the English Bible, through Genesis 14, okay. every word has been read on a nice. Sunday morning and every passage priest on. Sure. So that is a, that's a, you've done that in past church settings, I know, but yes. Um, but coming to Liberty Collingswood, you've not done that. So I'm curious if anyone has actually noticed that and if anyone has any observations, positive yeah. or negative. Yeah. Yeah, let us know. And at least for my part, preaching on some of these less well-known passages makes for some more interesting sermons mm-hmm. because by contrast, Genesis 15... You don't get to go into the Rolodex. I mean, maybe you do, but well, <laughs> the yeah. Rolodex of old sermons to see how you've done things. But you, I don't know. Have you have you done this passage? I don't even remember. I don't think I've ever preached from the... No, I, I have actually. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I haven't been going... In a couple of cases last spring, I did go back and listen to a couple of my old yeah, sermons from no, these passages. But, but, but I haven't done it here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, by contrast, Genesis 15... This coming Sunday is a pretty well-known passage in the Abraham story, and there wasn't a whole lot of question in my mind about major themes or Mm. topics. I still have to write a sermon around it and make it interesting and hopefully compelling, but Mm -hmm. coming into this passage, Genesis 14, 17 to 24, I had no idea what I was going to say, not even what the main themes were going to be, so it's fun to, to, to go in blind. And then, yeah, so Melchizedek... King and also priest, I guess for this section I'm to, to say too, interesting that Melchizedek is so little referenced in mm-hmm. in the rest of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, just here, and then also Psalm 110, right. where the Lord calls the Messiah, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. And to string the Bible passages together, I guess, well, I take back not when I said I had no idea where I was going to go in the sermon, I knew that I was going to talk about Jesus, the high priest from the book of Hebrews mm-hmm. one way or another. And I ended up doing it because that's where the author of Hebrews, super surprising callback ties the high priestly ministry of Jesus to Melchizedek, as opposed to the Aaronic Moses, brother Aaron and Levitical line saying that Jesus by virtue of being tied to Melchizedek, you are a priest forever mm-hmm. after the order of Melchizedek. The The book of Hebrews probably would not have picked up on Melchizedek if not for that Psalm 110, mm-hmm. which is quoted a couple times in, in Hebrews. Jesus comes before that whole Levitical sacrificial system because he was right. in Melchizedek, so is superior because older. And in the ancient world, I forget if we've talked about this before, New is bad, old is good. Mm-hmm. It was actually a problem for the early church right after Jesus crucified and resurrected for the first century or two when most people held Christianity in suspicion in part because it was a new religion. And so the New Testament to itself goes to- yeah, goes through pains to say, hey, this is the fulfillment of God's ancient promises going mm-hmm. going way, 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 way back. 
totally flipped now, where, culturally speaking, for a variety of reasons, Really? I see old you is, as being pretty grumpy old man when we're at the dinner table. Old is, old is bad, <laughs> new is good. Uh, who is it so that, that won't that's set up smart speakers, smart speakers in our, our household? Nope. <laughs> Bury me with my compact yeah. discs and non-Bluetooth connectable speakers and stereo you're an old soul or maybe all generations the older generation you hit the more skeptical (laughs) you are of new things right so (laughs) so there was all that good hebrew stuff i i did read a pretty extended passage from the book of hebrews knowing that not everybody was going to be able to follow it because it is how hebrews treats the jesus melchizedek connection Mm -hmm. it's both complex but then also uses canons of argument and logic that are unfamiliar with us so it's very hebraic and rabbinic in the way that it builds an argument so so the way that it goes about making the connection showing jesus fulfillment of and superiority over the sacrificial system it's pretty esoteric for modern modern years but i decided hey if you can't quote at length just, Hebrews on Melchizedek <laughs> in this sermon, when can you do it? I'm, I'm good with you doing it, but I will admit that my uh, my low attention span brain was was it was hard to follow to follow. Um, yeah. I think yeah, if you if it comes again, something like that, I think that just having it in front of me would would be better. Which is, you know, partly like our again, our new systems of doing things. I could have opened my phone and found yeah. the text. Um well, I, I did encourage people to, after, at some point after the yeah. sermon, to, to go back and spend time in those time. chapters in Hebrews. How, how was that for you? <laughs> I don't know. Ask your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very good. So to round out this section, at least as far as what I have, um, there, there does seem to be a contrast between the behaviors of Melchizedek, king of Salem, and the king of Sodom, where Melchizedek blesses so that's a positive interaction and the king of sodom is portrayed in more of a negative light where his first words to abram are give me Mm. and so there's a sphere of blessing Mm -hmm. within this story and then a sphere of negative stuff going on so i tried to build that contrast a little bit and really the two sections of the sermon were based on first it was no, no the, the two sections of the last part of this, so as it relates, why we need a priest for ourselves, that's the Melchizedek stuff, and then for others, covered Abram and the king of Sodom. Two really fast things that I didn't mention in the sermon. Mm-hmm. Isn't this like a guitar slim picking? Oh, well, they're... Oh. Good, very good, touche. They're, they're, they're related to exegesis, so I'll, I'll go ahead and say them here. <laughs> Do you when, want to define exegesis for uh, some of our listeners? Uh, kind of digging into the scriptures. The specific scripture taking passage. The, yes, taking, the, taking a closer reading of the Bible passage. When Melchizedek comes out to greet Abram, he brings bread and wine, and there has been a ton of ink spilled over centuries on and millennia. That that's exactly like chips and dip. <laughs> chips dip and long necks. Did somebody say that on Sunday? Well, there there is that typology to Super Bowl parties, but then there's also the question of a typology here, a connection between if already Jesus is linked with Melchizedek, and what it, do you want to take a guess what the 
King of Salem, Melchizedek bringing out bread and wine can relate to within New Testament Christianity. To the Lord's Supper? Yep. Or, yeah. yeah. So there, and it, it kind of, it's one of those debate. So, so the question is, right. is this, is this pointing ahead intentionally mm-hmm. to communion, or, the, the Lord's Supper, right. or is, is there no connection? And it's one of those debates within the Christian church where, where you come down relates to where you stand on other things less where you stand on your on, sacramental theology, on how you, what you view with the bread and wine, right? Well, will have bearing on on how how you interpret that. I that sounds the, pretty esoteric, right? So, <laughs> no, nowhere in the New Testament, Hebrews or otherwise, is there any explicit link made between Melchizedek's bread and wine uh-huh. and the Lord's Supper? So, and lots of people. Majority of modern opinions say it's it's an incidental, wine. yeah. Yep. Chips and chip. Yep. Chips, dip, and long necks. And then also, last thing here, there is a pretty unusual appellation of God, God Most High, El Elyon. What do you mean by apple? Uh, name. Okay. Way of being called. And so, pretty unusual within Genesis and then also the Hebrew Bible in general. Uh, there's a lot, one of the things that systematic theologies do when they describe the doctrine of God in different ways, you'll have a big section on names of God. And mm-hmm. and from the church situation you, you grew up in, I, I imagine that either from the pulpit or otherwise Sunday school youth group, like the Nate, like El, yes. El Shaddai mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Jehovah Jireh and, and all, all that kind of thing. So God Most High is unusual uh, and people have, there are a lot of different scholarly opinions on, on where it, where it comes from, but then also God Most High, tied with possessor of heaven and earth. God is more normally called maker of heaven and earth, but possessor of heaven mm-hmm. and earth mm-hmm. is is a more un- unique way of putting it. Just kind of cool. And, and I guess I did mention towards the end of the sermon that we can be secure in God like Abram is to be a giver in part because we are blessed by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. If mm. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right. we can be secure in knowing that we're made rich in him. Okay. Boom. <laughs> El Elyon. Those do, th- those do sound like uh, topics for theology uh, students, seminary students. Nerds. <laughs> El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El Elyona. <laughs> okay. Moving on to muddying the waters. Which Nike Reeboks. Okay. Better vocal vocal stylings oh wait for the five golden things it's going to release this friday i will just mm. say that speaking of vocal stylings um, listen to the end so as you're you are speaking about this a lot already um the context that you're trying to engage you're, yep. you're speaking yourself of um wanting to think about humans needing a priest mm-hmm. um who is that to who are you trying to speak to Everyone, <laughs> uh, me and everybody else, those two categories. I, I think in, there was a little bit of an apologetic focus to this. Mm-hmm. So commending the Christian faith to people that would be seeking or skeptical, but then hopefully a practical con- connection for people that may not think in explicit terms, I need a priest, unless you're in a religious system, whether Catholic or otherwise, where, where you do have people that are serving priestly functions on your behalf. So does average man or woman on the street in late modern West here in Collingswood walk around saying, I really need a priest? No, we don't. But if you think about where we struggle, what we need, 
how we can grow and be healthy, there is a priestly function that may be lacking. And so getting people to see that the assurance, the blessing, the security that priests are able to give as Melchizedek gives to Abram here or another way would of, actually be really great. Yeah, like another way of saying it is as you're what, the average person walking down the street would be feeling like they need to release guilt or shame yep. for for things that have happened to them because of themselves, because of other people, but yeah. there, that is um, something that is on our brains. Yeah. Um, it's in popular, popular culture, as I think about, or I was thinking about Daredevil because oh. there's the direct Catholic needing to confess and um, needing a priest. Um, but I think that there is like something central that's speaking to us when we when we think about guilt and shame rather yep. than the priest part. Like the yeah. priest part is the solution, but or the solution that Christianity poses. Yep. Um, where maybe secular culture would say just to get rid of guilt and shame, just yeah. go away. Yes. <laughs> On that point, um, I'll say I do have a confession for you Uh-oh. related to what we've been talking about. I watched the latest episode of She-Hulk last night by, by myself without you and Clara. Yeah. I was just yeah. waiting around. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there may be a more specific connection to what you just said in that confession as well. Is that a spoiler? Based on the... Nope. Nope. Okay. That is Let's a spoiler. St- no, no, still going. I just and then, figured out the spoiler, and I'm and, so annoyed. And then, <laughs> sorry about that. But more, more, more serious. So yeah, I, I feel guilty that I may have just yeah, spoiled something. Now I feel like Speaking there needs guilt, to be a spoiler warning at the beginning of this what? episode for anyone else who might have picked that up. <laughs> now you've spoiled it for like tons of people, tens, oh, we'll see, fives of people, threes. Uh, well. There, the Nielsen group is studying the potential overlap of listenership for Post Sunday Blues <laughs> and viewership for She-Hulk. I know. The, they're, actually, they're, the ones, they're massive and the same. The ones who like would understand the reference and understand why it's a spoiler are probably have already watched the episode. <laughs> like the people There's who There's a lot of rings of like esoteria. Me, me and Clara. <laughs> Those are the two people yep. listening to this podcast. Well, it, it's a glut of TV right now, Survivor. Mm-hmm is taking a lot of my yeah, Emily mole. and Clara watching time. And the mole, the mole. Um, yeah. The Netflix new release. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so what do you do with guilt? This is a question that I've raised in sermons previously, but I think it's worth thinking about as Christianity engages with secularity. And by and large, I feel, or I stand behind what I said on Sunday, where I... I don't see a ton of good answers coming from the secular world as far as what to do, what to do with guilt, whether looking at the history and development of psychoanalysis and psychology, mm-hmm. therapeutic methods from the 20th century onward. And yeah, I think for a lot of modern people, we want to say, I just need to get rid of my guilt, forget about it, get over it, or take revenge. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily assuage the guilt that we feel so I, right. I made the point is the way forward just to keep stripping away every external set of expectations or mirror and then we'll finally get free of guilt if we just strip away strip away strip away or is a better way to go to look to the finished work of Jesus mm-hmm. as the the source of forgiveness right. I will say that there is benefit to like the, the secular approach to guilt where a lot of guilt and shame is um 
is not appropriate guilt and shame. Yeah, for and sure. So talking through that and understanding things are not your fault that have happened that you might feel guilt for. But I think that there's a, that said, there's a core also understanding that there are times when we do like need to feel guilt for something mm-hmm. and need to need to do something with it. And there often isn't a solution for you yourself personally right. to reconcile it. And so that's why the message of Jesus resolving that for you is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good clarification. So I'm sorry if I made too much of a false all or nothing binary. Mm-hmm. There, there are good tools out there to, to work through it. And especially when you have guilt for things that are not, are your, not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You, you can leave those behind. Then the apologetic direction um, was to observe. And this is a move that I picked up from years ago. Do you, do you remember the author Marilyn Robinson? Mm-hmm. So she wrote uh, Gilead and a couple of sequels after that. I forget the name. She went like 30 years without writing a book. She made one in 1975. Was that Home? Homeland? I forget. But then... Yeah, the the Gilead novels after after that. So so she is a Christian and has has written a lot of nonfiction, mm-hmm. kind of commending God to secular people in different ways. She's a wonderful fiction writer. I actually really don't like her prose style when she's <laughs> writing nonfiction. If if Marilyn Robinson writing fiction has this crystalline beauty, mm-hmm. the I I don't mean to make this sound too personal or, or or mean that the nonfiction seems like all the things she left out of her fiction as far as 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 far as style but one of her central points and she develops this in a few different books is talking about how modern secularity that that denies the existence of anything more than the material world is an act of suppression of universal, aged, and deep human intuitions about life, Mm -hmm. the universe, and everything. So as it relates to the universality of priests, it should be quite significant that way apart from the Judeo-Christian story, priests were everywhere Mm -hmm. in the ancient world. And if the modern consciousness says, well, that was we've outgrown that. That was stupid and wrong. Somebody like Marilyn Robinson will come back and say, are we sure? Mm-hmm. And instead, and or like, like another species of, of that argument for, for, for Robinson is that the modern tendency in some circles, at least to reduce human functions and interactions and relationships to, to just biology or genetic determinism or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you say, I love you, but that's only a function of deterministic genetics one way or another, Robinson says, that's not what our intuition tells us. Mm-hmm. Um, what and, really is. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And isn't it interesting? Everybody in the ancient world had priests of one kind or another. And as it progress or regress that we are suppressing that impulse mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Finally, practically speaking, I, if I had more time and maybe this could be a guitar Slim Pickens thing one more time too, I would have wanted to flesh out a little bit the practical aspect for Christians, and maybe non-Christians too, who, who might want to try on the Christian faith. What do we do practically to get rid of our guilt as it relates to coming, mm-hmm. to, coming to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Or how can I be more of a giver in, in practical terms? Just for time, I, I wasn't, able to, wasn't able to say, I'll 
only briefly mentioned here, part of my answer would have been get get specific. So mm -hmm. really double click, drill down any modern cliche that, that you want to use. The more specific you can be with your guilt and your shame with Jesus, the, the better. So Jesus telling us we are forgiven is all the more powerful when we have specific sets of sins and instances in our past in mind. Mm -hmm. And it's harder to believe. It's, it's, a, it's a faith stretcher point to, to keep our shames at front of mind in specific ways and believe that Jesus actually forgives us for those right. things. But that's where the work of deep cleansing comes. Good stuff, dude. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to bar band cover tunes. Mm -hmm. um, you did have a good a good handful of references. Nice that, little mix. Um, you had your other writers. It's what's straight on my um, notebook, right? Yep. Here. Robert Stone, Philip Roth. Yep. Um, who are coming. They're not coming from a Christian perspective. You just, in this podcast, quoted um, Marianne, Marilyn Robinson. Yep. Who is coming from a Christian perspective. Yeah. Uh, perspective, but these are kind of similar themes about humanity. Right. Um, so Stone and Roth, Stone's elapsed Catholic, Philip Roth is a non-practicing Jewish person, so a Jewish person, okay. but but would have considered himself secular. Both of those authors, I and I like a lot, I think they're great writers, modern condition, blah, 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 but Stone is pretty Christ-haunted, which is a phrase that can be used where occasionally you find an author that may not be a person of faith herself, mm -hmm. but still has a lot of the furniture. It, mm -hmm. it, it was said about Muddy Waters, um, the, the actual Muddy Waters, the, the, the blues artist. He grew up in the rural South where there was a lot of Christianity, but then a lot of Southern black folk religion that came from West Africa via uh, Sierra Dominican Republic, uh, Haiti, uh, mm -hmm. Cuba. And, um, and years ago, we went to a author's reading of a Muddy Waters biography and somebody asked him, did, did Muddy Waters believe, and he has songs like Got My Mojo Working, and there's Rabbit's Foots, and Talismans, and mm. Voodoo Dolls of various kinds. The author was asked, did Muddy believe all of that stuff? And I remember the author saying, it wasn't in his book, this was Borders in Chestnut Hill, R.I.P. I, I, the, I vaguely remember that. He said, Muddy didn't believe it, but he didn't not believe it. Uh, uh -huh. And that was the space he occupied when it uh -huh. came to folk religion and superstition that's a little bit where long-winded way of saying it's a little bit where robert stone is with christianity i think mm -hmm. didn't believe it but did not believe it and then similarly roth for 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 judaism mm -hmm. but then also wh auden the poet who was making fun uh Freudian psychoanalysis i like that quote he was a person of faith so so i don't put him in that in that other category also quoted herman bovink about the universality of sacrifice in the ancient world, a quote that I've used before, but I really like it, so I keep using it. What else? I, uh, I, I referenced an article, but I didn't name it. An article by Helen Lewis appeared in the Atlantic magazine last fall, 
the title of the article is The Problem with Being Cool About Sex. And it it, it is an interesting read if people would want to track it down. I, I don't necessarily agree with all of the conclusions mm-hmm. of the article, but it's an interesting premise where if if we're such a sex-positive culture now, why don't more of us feel more positively about sex more of the time? Right. So, so asking those, those yeah. sets of questions. Let's see, I mentioned from the scriptures, quoted Hebrews, and then also Psalm 110, John 14. Yep, in my father's house are many rooms. Um, and then I would, I'm going to add, you also mentioned um, the Clue movie. Oh yeah, I I realized I forgot to ask Jesse permission, but I, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, but but I feel like Claire I didn't necessarily like, need universal permission. I mean, I watched it with her, and I, and, and and I didn't name her. So anyway, I, that was just an off the off the fly thing. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Um, and well, I always enjoy it. The um, and then you referenced yourself with your your first sermon. <laughs> um, be, yeah. So, or, but to, to round out the pop culture stuff, did, did you get the Biff Back to the Future 2 reference? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's there. Right, because, yeah, because no one knows the future except Biff, who stole the book. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't know if you remember that. Very good. What? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, your, your batting average with movie references that I'll give is not very it's high. It's Back to the Future, though. Okay. But it's Back to the Future 2, so I, I, it's I a step up. Three of them. Okay. Anyway. Did you like the fourth? Did I like your first sermon? <laughs> no, the fourth Back to the Future. Just okay. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You're referencing your first sermon. Right. So made a joke about whether or not as a somebody going into the ministry, I, I could be married or not. I, I did. I won't say who, but after the sermon, one person came came up to me and said, Jim, it took me a second to get that joke. It was funny, but mean. And creepy. And... <laughs> and, but, but, but then she also said, were you dating Emily? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that. evidence that, like, I, as I've said before, I would not have liked um, high school Jim. Tribe Jim. Right. Yeah. Well, well, what, what I didn't tell the person is this was before we were engaged and you were such a nutty person who was trying to break up with you right pre-engagement that that you were quite clear that before engagement this could end any time i was so. i was trying every <laughs> yeah i was trying all the time to right and end this yeah so so, so maybe <laughs> the whole point of that joke in the original context because i knew that you would hear the sermon was me playing hard to get Maybe that was my three-dimensional checkers move with mm-hmm. uh, with the joke. Got it. Let's go with that. Okay. Um, right. I think that's it, though, of, in terms of bar band cover tunes. You did, yeah, yep. they're always fun. Yeah. Um, any leftovers? You have already thrown in a couple of guitar slim pickings, deviated from How, how much else do you remember about my first sermon? thought it was long i've just heard you tell the story a hundred times that's true that the actual sermon like actual memory as yep. opposed to memory of you telling the story to yeah people. it's like family pictures like zero <laughs> it was based on romans I'm not 10 even sure if i really listened to all of it for christ is the it. end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes you you heard it on cassette tape you Jason did not like it you, you, like you a couple months i didn't did think of that the the 
I don't know why, why the pastor of that church let me let let me preach. I I think at the time, I remember him asking me, Jim, are you confident that you can pull this off? When we we're talking about the possibility of me doing the sermon, and I think in retrospect that was the wrong question for him to <laughs> ask. So if you're, if you're asking me, am I confident that I could do this? Right. That it is absolutely oh, yes. So anyway, um, that was the first. That was step Reverend in. Malsbury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a horrible, horrible sermon, and things that I, I yeah, there I I offended a lot of people. <laughs> Not the last time at a sermon. But there is a first time for everything. Yeah, so many lessons learned. Yeah. Um, okay, Guess so that preachers, was, some, that was something sermon, you wish you could don't redo. Don't preach twice as long or three times as long as a regular preacher. But that was only the also, tip of the iceberg. Also rehearse so that you know how long it's going to be. Well, I, I did rehearse. <laughs> I was, I, the, the, the thought process there was this sermon's going to be really, really long, much longer than the usual sermon. But the quality and content is so awesome that people are not going to care. And instead, they're going to say, thank you. I needed every word of that, which is not yeah. what people ended up saying. Josiah's graduation speech was awesome. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I kept waiting for him to say, Dad, you do a lot of public speaking. Can you help me with the, <laughs> with my speech? And he never did. But it ended up being awesome. So I take credit. Okay. Any other trivia you want to let the people know? There's no Back to the Future 4. Um, Howlin' Wolves, we, have we heard from any? Not this week. Guys, write in. Let us know <laughs> what you're thinking about Jim and his aunt. We had a couple last week. I appreciate it. Postsundayblues at gmail.com. El Shaddai. See if you know. Uh, yeah, let us know if Jim spoiled something for you. <laughs> I wouldn't be so like annoyed if he wasn't so anti-spoiler himself from anyone else sniffing out any selectively lists. anti-spoiler. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, I, I, yeah, but I think that's it. That's Anything it. I will say, coming up, had a really fun recording with Sam Schmidt mm. for Five Golden Things dropping this Friday. Sam is in the Air Force. He flies planes, and the topic is top five inaccuracies from Top Gun Maverick. Mm, it, sure it, it, it was a lot of... He had to really... <laughs> was a lot of fun. Us. And I am at work preparing. Pat McAdams has hatched the idea for a video of Five Golden Things that I need to prepare for. And that's all I'll tease about that. Are you going to wear your ponytail? <laughs> <laughs> my, okay. my, my costume is a disheveled middle-aged pastor <laughs> um, and with that how was it that was amazing thanks so much for joining us this has been the Post Sunday Blues a preaching post-mortem a production of Liberty Collingswood go ahead rate, review, and subscribe and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. You're so particular. (sighs) Exacting. (laughs) 